When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Mamasa, daughter of Persephone. Today we're recapping and discussing episode one of the Percy Jackson Disney Plus show. made it to we've made it to the show which is really weird like I remember it's also weird because this is almost aligning with our our podcast birthday three years yeah. and us three years mm-hmm. ago being like the rumors of the show were happening it wasn't quite announced yet or maybe it had just been announced I don't even remember but now we're here we did it it's all yeah. us <laughs> It's because we decided to do this podcast that yeah. this show came out. So yeah. everyone owes their lives and jobs to us. Yeah, exactly. The Taylor just, Swift of podcasts. Exactly. We are just invigorating our mob. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was really cool because we were recording this uh, about a week before the show actually airs because we mm-hmm. got really cool early access to the first four episodes. So um, we talked about that in our bonus episode. But just to recap that here, we got to, you know, do some, uh, attend some really cool press conferences with different um, creators and um, people who worked on the show. And so we're trying to splice that in in here when we Mm -hmm. talk about what we saw on the show based off of what they said to us. And yeah, Aaron came over. We had pizza it was really good pizza. Let me just say that. Like, back up. <laughs> it is my favorite pizza spot. It's in Seattle. I'm not telling anyone what it is because I'm oh, keep- wow. keeping the shit out of it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. You'll have to email me if you want it. Maybe I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone from, like, Germany is going to email me. And I'm going to so be like, please, I need to know. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was really fun. Um, when we d- Aaron recorded our reaction for the first episode, we learned that we are not super emotive people, which yeah. is contrary to what we've been told our entire lives. Yeah, I don't think I'm super emotive. I don't know that I've been told that I'm super emotive, like, facially. Expressive. I'm very Yeah, that's expressive. the word. I, you are. I, yeah. <laughs> but I was like pretty stone faced because I was eating, I think. And I was so focused on chewing and like not trying to look like a slob. Yeah. The salad the f- and the pizza. The funniest part, I mean, now that the episode's out and presumably everyone listening to this has watched the episode, the majority of the, the bits I used for the TikTok were all from like the last 10 minutes because of the Minotaur scene. <laughs> most of our reactions were to that which is really funny also i forgot to put this on our outline but we should mention that this like our discussions will contain spoilers for like the entire because we know what happens in the book like we're not gonna be uh like we've read the book our podcast has discussed it at length if you're like a newer listener or you're just joining for the show this will have spoilers for what happens in the in the first season i mean we don't know exactly how it'll play out on screen but we know the major plot points 
because of reading the books. And so we will be uh, divulging and analyzing those. Yeah, this is also episode 122. So like we've been yeah. doing this at this point. But exactly at the same time, I think in order to discuss foreshadowing and things that we notice, we're yeah. going to have to spoil a little bit of what we see. And so, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I, I guess that's a good uh, disclaimer to have in the beginning. Yeah. But yeah, we're excited to talk about this first episode. We decided to, we were originally like, oh, we could just do one big episode. And then after we watched the first one, we both like turned to each other and we're like, this is going to be two episodes. Like I have too many things to say. (laughs) I can't just do one, especially now that we have, we got like audio clips from some of the press conferences and interviews that we got to attend. And we're like Monica said, we're trying to like splice those into these as the scenes that they're talking about or the things they're talking about come up just because hopefully that'll be more interesting for you all instead of just like listening to the whole uh, audio clip from the interview, being able to see like where it's relevant once you see those episodes. So, yeah. We love behind the scenes stuff. So yeah. I think that makes the show much more fun. And also um, it makes it more, uh, I don't know, feel more real and alive knowing that there's mm-hmm. a process and everyone has a craft and I love learning about people's crafts. So mm-hmm. let's talk about the episode summary. So this is from the Disney Plus um, summary that they have for the episode anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Strange things keep happening to Percy Jackson, a kid who feels out of place in the world. When Percy is accused of attacking a classmate on a field trip to the Met, he's expelled from school, forced to return home. His mother, Sally, upends his reality when she reveals the truth of Percy's origins, that he's a demigod, and he must go on the run from the monsters that are hunting him. Perfect. (laughs) And we figured it aligns with about like chapters one through four of the Lightning Thief book. If you're wondering which chunks of the book this aligns with. And if you're wondering which of our original episodes that aligns with, it's episodes two and a little bit of episode three. Yes, which is really cool. It deviates. Yeah, it deviates a little bit. And we're excited to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we'll just like, what we're planning to do is just go through, talk about the scenes, what we saw, our analysis, whatever, and then any overall thoughts. So, I mean, we get the opening sequence that we all wanted with the exact quote from the book of like, I didn't want to be a half-blood and him talking about it. And it's great. It was pretty chilling to see it. Yeah. Because it's like, oh my God, it's finally happening. We finally have a proper adaptation of this book but at the same time i did kind of miss the really iconic logan lerman breathing underwater <laughs> and then being like who is my father i know oh iconic iconic may it rest in peace and we do get like a really fun montage too of percy like young percy also the casting that kid who plays younger walker is so looks so much like him and we get the whole montage of him like getting kicked out of schools and seeing monsters through windows and I think it really highlights just like how isolated Percy was because I kind of forget as a reader like having read all these series and the way that Percy is um the way that I've come to know and love Percy is like he's like the funny guy but realizing like he was actually really bullied and sad and lonely as a kid and I feel like that I forgot about that. 
but it's so integral to his character. Yeah, and like this show does a, a really good job of highlighting how like crazy he felt because it was his yeah. nonstop gaslighting. He was the only one who saw these things. He had all of these like learning disabilities that weren't feeling addressed. He didn't have any friends. People tended to pick on him because he was the weirdo. Mm-hmm. It just really drove that home. Yeah. And then they added in a scene. There's like a new scene of a flashback with Sally and Percy in the Met and like um, looking up at the statue of Perseus and him being like, is that who I was named after? And that's a cool addition that they added in that was not in the books of like adding some more background on on Sally telling Percy about all of these myths and um, almost preparing him for what's to come. Yeah, and she does gives a little excerpt of, I don't know what it's from, but she mm-hmm. gives a little excerpt of Perseus, and she says a quote that comes back around when she's telling Percy to be brave, and I think mm-hmm. you and I really loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good quote, and it was a strong one, and it's a really emotional sequence. Yeah. And it's really lovely. And I like that she framed, she was like, I named you after Perseus because like him and his mother had to like hide together. Um, It wasn't about like the heroism, the fact that Perseus defeated Medusa or anything else. Like that was really interesting um, dialogue that we see to come back, like circle back to at the end of this episode too. And in the books, we remember that Percy mentions that he was named after Perseus because his Mm -hmm. mom felt like that was one of the few heroes who got a happy ending and she's like mm-hmm. really hoping for that she's like a lot more anxious in the books than in the tv mm. show she's more preparing him and then mm-hmm. in the books she was just trying to hold on to him as long as she could yeah oh. both are very valid reactions yes. to having a child who has to fight monsters <laughs> no kidding yeah um Okay, so we get the sequence, the iconic sequence at the museum where he's there on the field trip. He's, you know, you see that the word, like he's, the words aren't really making sense on his worksheet. Mr. Brunner's there and is like quizzing on Greek mythology and stuff like that. And then there's Nancy Boba Fett who's just like being so mean. (laughs) No reason. She's just no reason to be so mean. Grover does psychoanalyze her when they're hanging out, which was a cute little that. addition. That's very mm-hmm. Gen Z of them to do. Yes. Just being like, oh, she's lashing out because she doesn't feel affection at home and she's looking yeah. for something to throw her anger out at. It's also so Grover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's bring psychology into this. Mm-hmm. Something that was different in the TV, this episode, in the way that it played out compared to the book, is in the book... Um, after Percy attacks Nancy because she's bullying him and Grover and then the fountain just randomly magically comes and grabs Nancy Mm -hmm. pulls her in Mrs. Dodds comes and pulls Percy into a back room and then she transforms into right um, that monster what a monster the fury not the the fury the fury not the fury Um, she transforms into a fury and Percy, the, and then Mr. Brunner comes out of nowhere, hands her, hands Percy the pen, disappears. Percy fights Mrs. Dodds. And then when he comes to, he gets in trouble for fighting. They find out that Mrs. Dodds never existed and all that happens in the book. Yeah. In the TV show is really interesting that this happens outside of the, like in public. Yeah. Mrs. Dodds doesn't take him 
somewhere and then transforms, she transforms immediately in front of him. So then that gaslighting effect of afterwards, <laughs> after he's literally slain the monster in front of everyone and everyone is just like not reacting, makes him feel extra crazy. Yeah. They're all like, oh, she didn't exist. Also, Mr. Brenner does give Percy the pen, but it's very casual just handing him also the pen. Great choice. It's just like a shitty looking pen. And I love that. Yeah, 99 cents. It's like everyone's wondering, is it going to be one of those like clicky pens? Just no. sense it has to have a cap. But what kind of cap is it going to be? And they just mm-hmm. went exactly how we would expect. Something that exactly. I think a lot of students chewed on in their day and age. Yeah. In school, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Imagine chewing on Riptide and you actually stab yourself in the mouth. <laughs> in the head. Yeah. Well, I thought it was funny because looking back at our previous notes, which is so chaotic, by the way, we oh really my just god, second episode <laughs> launched into it. It's yeah. when Aaron immediately is like, "Oh, Chiron is such a daddy. Mister Brother is a zaddy." <laughs> second ap- episode two, we launch into it by episode, and then episode three, you're like, "Mentor, how do people husband. keep listening?" <laughs> And then, yeah, they kept, now we're in episode 122. So, like, it's not mm. gotten better. It's actually gotten exponentially worse. It's gotten worse. a lot worse, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, iconic. Also, a moment for um, Megan Mullally as Mrs. Dodds because I did not recognize her at all. <laughs> like, it's It took so me a good. moment. Yeah. She did a great job. And also, she's, like, a pretty well-known actress to have just, yeah. like, you know, three seconds of screen time. I, I mean, she comes back. As we recall, what is her mm. electo? I think is her name, the yeah. Fury's name. So, but yeah, big name to have. That's only really appears in like the first book or the first season. Okay, so yeah, um, they all gaslight Percy about Mrs. Dodds not existing. Very true to the book. And then we get back at the academy where Percy is kicked out of school um because of what happened because he pushed nancy into the and allegedly pushed nancy into the fountain see this is different in the books in the books Mm -hmm. he gets in trouble for fighting with nancy and then he goes through his entire semester yeah he comes Mm -hmm. home for a break because and then he's asked that he not to return yeah and Mm -hmm. his betrayal of um basically he starts failing all of his classes because he's so distraught over the fact that there's apparently a teacher that attacked him who doesn't exist at his school yeah he feels Mm -hmm. crazy and like he's unraveling Mm -hmm. um and in the book he overhears grover and mr burner talking about him like he's kind of stupid and that really hurts his feelings Mm-hmm. In the TV show, they did it differently. He gets kicked out of school immediately for fighting with Nancy. Like, it's a done deal. Um, and also, while he is in the office, Grover throws him under the bus and says, yeah, I was there. Percy pushed her. Aww. It's all Percy's fault. And Walker's acting in that moment was so good because, he, you know, he's yeah. really young. But that betrayal yeah. of just, like, he's begging Grover. He's, like, trying to, like, reason with him because he's, like, I, he would never believe that his best friend would react that way. Mm-hmm. And it also drives home, like, more isolation, more uh-huh. devastation. His yeah, last friend, his only friend. Exactly. Like, they've shown – they showed this montage of his whole life of him never having any friends. Now he has a friend. And I agree. I think that it – it makes it sadder to see him like yeah. openly betrayed by Grover and kicked out and feeling he just feels like absolutely crazy because he's seeing things that everyone is saying are not there. 
And you recognize this part is that instead of getting after in the book, Mm -hmm. after he finishes school, asked not to come again, they take a bus home with Grover and they see the fates. Mm -hmm. That is not in this TV show. No, I'm I have seen there's like a promotional image of the fates circling. So I'm like, where are they at? Like, come on, ladies, my girls. Um, I have a feeling we will see them later, but we do not see them in the opening sequence, which I kind of like it is a lot to introduce to viewers all at once uh, visually. And so, yeah, instead, he is just like riding in a Yancey Academy truck back to his home. Presumably that's where we get. Yeah, that's where we get to his house. So mm-hmm. we see his apartment. It's really nice. For being Honestly, in an apartment, it's like multiple bedrooms. It's just like decorated super cutely. Like, um, isn't yeah. she just, she is on like a candy store salary. Gabe doesn't yeah. work. Like. He doesn't work. Also, the fact that um, in the books, it was so smelly and dirty because of Gabe. And we were seeing that like, we're introduced to their super who was clearly like, introduces Gabe as a bad person like their interaction is supposed to tell us that Gabe is horrible Mm -hmm. Gabe does suck in like the way like a normal guy like who doesn't pull his weight and is not a stellar person sucks but not in the same level as he sucks in the books so far Mm -hmm. at least yeah Gabe kind of sucks less like he's still gross but it's almost comical he feels like like a caricature of a lot of those gross men. But I do think that it would be really hard to watch. Like, it's really hard to believe Sally being with, like, the disgusting, smelly Gabe of the books. This feels a little bit more believable because he feels like he's a little... He feels manipulative, much a very... But, like, you know, he's not quite as disgusting Though the the specific jersey on the wall in Gabe's apartment, yeah. Which give me a second. I think it was Zach a Zach Wilson jersey. Yeah, oh, wait, mm-hmm. and so he was the starting quarterback for the New York Jets after Aaron Rodgers got Rodgers got injured, and he is famously not good. Um, he's been benched now, and so and he's not playing if as a starter anymore. If I remember correctly, this is also a lot of football that I absorb. Because it's playing in my apartment while I'm like doing homework or working. So mm-hmm. if I could be totally wrong in getting this wrong, but this is by what I remember of what's going on currently. And uh, that was funny and weird that he would have a framed jersey of a player who is a low key a rookie and not very good and like kind of hated by a lot of people in New York mm-hmm. and by like people who are fans of the team. So. It kind of maybe it was an intentional thing about the character yeah. to be like he's so not aware of how people like look at things, or maybe it was like a mi- mistake. They just like were like, okay, who's currently starting quarterback for the Jets and just like a New York mm. team? Let's put it up there. No, I think it was definitely intentional. They did in one of the press conferences. They talked brief. Well, I mean, they mentioned it, but they clearly like had picked that jersey out. I think it's probably to indicate that he's like the type of guy who is like, you know, when someone gets canceled or is problematic, he actually becomes a bigger fan of them. Um, <laughs> that's the vibe that I get. I can play that audio clip because I thought it was interesting commentary as well, because they were talking about how some of the details, for example, this jersey, like it places 
the show in time. Like it does give a timestamp to the show of it happening now. But they were talking about how despite that, they still really want the show to be timeless. And I thought it was really interesting. Even though, yes, there are, you know, Zach Wilson jerseys on Gabe's, uh, you know, wall, that there, there's just the timelessness of, of this story that I think is the reason why it's still resonating 20 years later for, for, for everybody who reads it. And that kids every year, a whole new group yeah. of kids around the world are reading it and responding to it. And, and they don't even know it was written 20 years ago. So it, it's just like, that's what is so special about this, this piece of, of, of work um, is that I, I feel like it, you know, 20 years ago, it, it was what it was. It is now and 20 years from now, it'll continue. Um, and that was also when we all were working on how this was gonna feel, that word popped up. Uh, John kept using it all the time, which was just like, it's just, we just needed to feel timeless, like that anybody can connect to this in some form, um, no matter what age, where you're from, what your background is, and just like, it will work for you. Um, you will have access points into this. Um, and, uh, and, and I hope we have achieved that. So that was from Dan Schatz from one of the interviews that we got to go to. So shout out to Dan. And mm -hmm. I thought that that was like such a great, uh, discussion because I know we talked a lot about like theorizing when in time are they going to have this are they going to have it set in the early 2000s are they going to have it now and um, I think it was a good move to have it now but to have it not too placed in time like obviously there are little details like the jersey that place it in time but it needs to remain timeless and something people like of different generations and time periods can access yeah and even the jersey is like more of a deep knowledge that if in yeah. 10 years, if Zach Wilson is, doesn't come back yeah. to the Jets or is not playing anymore, I mean, 20 years, probably not. Um, mm -hmm. It won't be like such a glaring no. timestamp, but mm -hmm. it, at the same time, it's like, oh, if you knew, you knew kind of thing. Yeah. Like I would have not had not had any idea who that is, but your roommate was like, oh, he's like the one of the most hated football players right now. I was like, mm -hmm. that seems like Gabe. All right. So then we meet Gabe and then we turn towards, we see Olivia Rodrigo begins to play and we see Miss Sally Jackson sitting outside in the rain listening to Olivia Rodrigo. Honestly, mood. Big mood. Shout out to her. And so we like met her briefly earlier in that flashback scene, but this is the first time we're getting like we're meeting her in, in, you know, Percy's real time. And she's so happy to see Percy home from school. She believes him and doesn't care what the school called to say about him. And I think she does a fantastic job at Sally. I think so, too. She does have, like, she's very intense, which doesn't... Mm -hmm. It almost is unnerving because Percy is used to people laughing at him. And so when he's telling her about what he saw with Mrs. Dodds and everything like that, she immediately is like, we need to get out of here right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gives him her, gives him his blue candy to celebrate being mm. home. And it was very sweet. Then she's very manageable. Like Gabe is very manageable in this one versus in the books. Yes. Where she's like, mm -hmm. we're going to take your car. She tells him. She doesn't ask him for permission. And in the books, uh, she has to kind of beg and like soften mm -hmm. him up. And instead she, they kind of have a little bit of a, 
you know, a back and forth, which shows yeah. that she's a bit stronger. It's just unfortunate that he's just like, this guy is just sucks, you know? He sucks. It's much more believable that she would have fallen into a marriage with a guy she thought was great. And then he turns out to be just a lazy scumbag, but yeah. like not in the level that he's in the book where yeah. she's not quite ready to leave him yet because he's not that bad, but he's pretty <laughs> bad. Yeah. And we know as readers, like the reason she married him or got with him was to protect Percy. But I think that even like as a viewer and especially anyone who's new to the series, like if he was as bad as he is in the books, it's a bit of a like, why would she be doing that? Like, yeah, why is she with him? Even though people get in shitty relationships all the time for a variety of reasons to survive, etc. But that's a whole different topic. But um, <laughs> the um, yeah, I thought they had a funny back and forth. And then she's like, she hears Percy out. He Percy, it's very clear. I think Walker does a fantastic job of like expressing that he's like, you can feel how insane Percy feels. Like Percy's like, mom, I'm seeing things. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And per Sally's like, let's go on a vacation, which honestly, sometimes... We all need that. <laughs> That's exactly what you need to do. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so they head to Mon Montauk, and mm -hmm. that's very accurate with the book. They head to Montauk. They go to the beach house. Sally tells Percy that this is where she met his father and on this exact beach. And in the episodes that we did, we were very adamant on why Percy, after being able to control the fountain, and drag Nancy into it, did not put two and two together that <laughs> he, her, her, his mom met his dad on a beach. But I don't think your first thought is my dad is a god and he's Poseidon. Yeah. And they even um, have, so next they have Sally tell, there's like a lot of exposition where she tells Percy, like, you know how I've told you your dad is like this. Well, he's actually a god. And I, I adore the line of Percy being like, like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair. That's what I it's would think too. such a valid reaction. And he just like straight up does not believe her. Like he's like, stop messing with me. Like now you're making fun of me too. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting because they have to dump the information a lot earlier than they do in the book. Yes. In the book, mm -hmm. Sally kind of gives a little bit of information, but Grover is the one who fills in the rest of the blanks, which it, this is where, um, Grover shows up. Yes. Percy's really mad about I love it. seeing Grover. He's really still, he's still freshly betrayed. Grover comes to the door. He talks to Sally like, you know, they've talked a lot before, which is weird to Percy because this is his boarding school friend. And Grover walks in. He tells Sally they don't have time. They have to go, that they're um, on the move. And this was really funny because apparently they panned down and showed Grover's legs, which Percy oh, then realizes, like, why do you have goat legs? Which is what yeah. he yells. He doesn't bring up the donkey, which is unfortunate, yeah, but it was yeah. really funny to me because I was eating pizza, as I mentioned, and I missed it. So I was like, oh, they're just not going to show us that, you know, Aryan's supposed to have goat legs. They're just supposed to say it. And you were like, they showed his legs. So You're just like absorbed. This is like actually pizza. this. This episode's actually an ad for the pizza that your guests. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just want you guys to understand how good this yeah. pizza was. I actually have an audio clip of Jeff White, who we got to attend a press conference. He's part of the VFX special effects team, and 
Um, he talked a little bit about Grover and Aryans, how they made those goat legs possible. <laughs> With Aryan, he really um, brought Grover to life for the entire show. Now, for a good portion of the show, we had to essentially replace his legs with goat legs. And that meant that you can't just walk like a normal human or it just looks very wrong. Um, the, the mechanics don't work right. So we brought in a motion coach that worked with, with him in pre-production for a couple of weeks. And a lot of times you have to remind actors, maybe they get a lost in the scene and they sort of fall back to the way they're used to moving. He never did. I don't, we never had to remind him at all. He would walk onto set, get in position, and then immediately go into a pose that was kind of up on, up on his toes so that he had all the right cadence and movement. And he wore a special set of shorts that was designed by the costumes department that maintained all of the volume that you would have if you did have a goat leg for your upper thigh. Uh, and then, but then, of course, all of the goat legs uh, we did in in post production through uh, through CG. So that 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 was really cool, and it's like mm -hmm. so much extra acting you have to think about, like yeah, the, on the toes and the pants, and knowing that it's gonna look different. Even when Walker has to look at Aryan's feet and pretend that mm -hmm. there's goat legs there, that's a lot to have to do because a lot yeah. of things are done in post production. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and I've seen, I saw some like interview clips circulating of Aryan talking about how he had to like, he walked on his toes so much that it started to feel weird to walk normal, like oh, after filming. Goodness. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at those calves gotta be doing the work. <laughs> after, if they do, I mean, hopefully they'll be able to, but if yeah. they're able to do all five books, that's he's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be rough. He's going to be like giant calves and the rest of him extremely normal. <laughs> okay, so where they're at, they all then we get some exposition on what a demigod is. Percy's like, I don't know what's going on. They all pile in the car because Grover is like, we are being chased. We're in danger. We need to get Percy to camp. Very true to the books. Now we get into Aaron's favorite scene and honestly, now our favorite my scene. my man. Because we were most emotive here and expressive we during were. the scene. It was, it a was good funny scene. and also really sad. Like, I mean, I yeah. knew that that Sally, you know, quote unquote, dying or being taken would be sad, but it felt really fast in the books. I never really had an emotional reaction to it in the books, to be honest. But it was a lot sadder to watch because they did a fantastic job. I think also because we see in this show that how isolated Percy is and that Sally mm -hmm. really is the only one for him who's mm -hmm. there. And so I think that's why we have a more emotional reaction to it. Also, because yeah. we know Sally at this point, I mean, I feel like the first time I read it, it didn't have emotional reaction because I'm like, who is this character? Now we're older. We've read the book through a few times. So when we see Sally mm -hmm. kind of die, quote unquote, we feel it a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Rewind to the first shot of the Minotaur. <laughs> he has his tidy whities They do show it too. They show them like it's it's there. And also, I was a little like he was a lot bigger than I was expecting. Ooh. <laughs> like I don't know what I was envisioning, but he was like him on like he runs on all fours like a dog. <laughs> woof woof. <laughs> woof woof, Minotaur. <laughs> Oh, God, shut up. 
No, but I was just like, damn. But I will say we have to like a moment of silence for the nose ring. He does have an earring. He does have an earring in his ear, but uh, our the entire joke of our podcast depended on his nose ring. Well, he still has piercings. Like he still yeah. went somewhere and got his ear single ear pierced. Yeah, at he least. still went to the Claire's. nose ring. He still went to Claire's. It's actually more likely he went to Claire's for an earring. That's true. They do nose piercings. I don't think they do either. <laughs> so actually, this is actually more in our favor. You're yeah, right. there we go. That was just us being delusional for convincing (laughs) ourselves like this actually is a good move for us. Yeah. Um, We get a whole scene of Sally's driving. The Minotaur is coming at them, hitting their car. The car ends up flipping. Grover is able to kick the window out. He helps Percy out first and then he helps Sally out and they start running. And Mm -hmm. Grover introduces like the camp is right there. He tells... Percy that, unfortunately, Sally can't come because she's mortal. Sally explains to him, you know, you got to go. I'll distract him because I can't join you anyway. Percy right now is not Grover's friend. Percy does not want to go with Grover. He especially does not want to leave his mom. He also had just a bunch of information dumped at him. He Mm -hmm. is very upset. It's a perfect scene. It's raining. It's super stormy. spooky. I also thought the lighting was so beautiful in that scene with like Percy, with Sally holding Percy and the yellowish lighting in the background. And you can kind of see the Minotaur in the distance and it's raining. I was like, this is absolutely beautiful. It's because they use the headlights of the car. Yeah. Highlight them and it makes it so much more dramatic. This is also like Percy's introduction to being a hero. This is his first heroic Mm. scene. It's set exactly how you would imagine a heroic scene to go down. Yeah, it was this was great. perfect. And I also have another audio clip from Dan Schatz that this uh, was from a press conference that I went to that Monica wasn't able to. So you haven't heard this either. But I thought he was talking about how for him, a lot of the story like hinges on the relationship between Sally and Percy. So I'll play this here. This is about Percy and Sally. To me, where this thing like worked from from minute one is 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 Sally and Percy. Um, like it this does not work unless you believe in that relationship, that you are fighting for that relationship for him to get back to her. Um, it it uh that that dynamic is to me every time, even though we have now seen it 10 billion times in in finally getting this uh, to you guys and getting this on the air, um, is uh that's where emotionally I'm I start where, where, where it connects to me and that, that, that carries me through the entire season. Um, and, and to, to John's writing, to Rick's work, like this is that, that is the part that I think hopefully the audience just like holds on to from, from minute one and goes on the ride. I adored that he said that because I think I hadn't really thought about how integral their relationship is like from the very get-go to this whole the journey of this book and I honestly think that the show made me feel more emotional about them like being able to see their reactions versus read it um that's something that I I felt was more powerful in the show even than the book and so I'm I love that that's at the heart for for the showrunners as well and I do love how steadfast Percy is in his love for his mom. Like everything mm-hmm. he does is for his mom. 
And oh. that also just shows you how much it, how important, like exactly what Dan Schultz said, that's exactly what needed to happen is we needed to believe that Percy would do anything for her or else mm-hmm. we're not going to care that he's trying to do this. So we're going to be like, do you really want her back? Like, are you sure? You yeah. Don't just go have an adventure with your friends. Yeah. And they did a great job, I think, establishing through some of those flashbacks and in the scenes that we get with Percy and Sally, like within the first episode, establishing that that is the most important relationship and that's a relationship worth fighting for. And I think, I mean, we've read the book, so we know, but I hope that people who haven't read the books also like feel the importance of that relationship from the beginning of the of the first episode. So Percy, unfortunately, has to watch Sally. She does a good job. She does your typical, like, bull... What are they? Bull riders with the red cape. She takes a red cape. And she tries to... Raincoat or whatever. Raincoat, something. She tries to get the Minotaur to get distracted. So Percy has time. Obviously, Percy is not running very fast. He's stuck staring at his mom, who then is unfortunately captured by the Minotaur and then disappears in light. So he is convinced Mm -hmm. that she's died. He goes after the Minotaur at this point. He pulls out. He remembers his pen, I think. Yes. And pulls it out. He does drop it. Yeah, he drops it. So then there's like a very intense fight scene, which in the book, it happens so fast that I don't realize how crazy it is. Yeah. This 12-year-old literally rides on the Minotaur, dukes it out with the Minotaur, rides his back, rips off his own horn and then Mm -hmm. stabs him with it like it's so metal so cool and you really see it in this show with like just how little how little walker looks like what a i'm sure i'm i'm sure any 12 year old would hate to be called a little infant child but he's 14 Mm -hmm. now he actually looks a lot older now like puberty is really puberty is wild man but he looks tiny especially next to the minotaur oh baby so going back to Jeff White, Jeff White was talking about the Minotaur. I have a little clip. This is also, it's fun because Erin didn't come to this conference. I didn't yeah. go to the one that she, we had things unfortunately overlapping. And so mm-hmm. a lot of these clips she's hearing for the first time, um, they're just talking about the importance of the Minotaur because mm-hmm. he's the first monster. Hell yeah, he is. The Minotaur was incredible uh, because it was the such a huge sequence right in the opening episode uh, of the show. Uh, so we really wanted to create something that the audience was just wowed by and kind of left them wanting, you know, to move on to see episode two. So uh, we spent a lot of time in design of not only that character, but the action within that sequence to make sure that it felt very real and, you know, that there was that heightened sense of uh, danger for Percy. And it's a very emotional scene. It's great. In the book... Percy, um, after he stabs the Minotaur, Grover has passed out in the book at this point, which is another (laughs) talking point we had in episode two, where we were like, what is the point of Grover? We We were kind of coming down. We were dragging Grover. (laughs) We were pretty fast, pretty early on. Um, We love him, we drag him. (laughs) Well, I liked that this one, Grover was not passed out. He was the one who got Percy out of the car first. He was trying to get Percy over. So Percy passes out in the... Uh, in this TV show, whereas in the book, he drags an unconscious Grover over the camp border and then passes out. And in this one, Percy passes out. And I think we are not sure what happens, but we can assume that either Grover carries him over or he goes and gets help to get Percy carried over to camp. 
And mm-hmm. I think that makes Grover at least a little bit more useful than he was in the book. <laughs> oh, yeah. You go, Grover. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's pretty much the end of the episode. Then we have Percy. He's waking out up a little bit. Like, he blinks his eyes open and we see this tiny glimpse of camp. We really just see a bunch of people in orange shirts hovering over the perspective. Um, we hear Mr. Brunner slash Chiron. Um, we hear Annabeth. It's her first line. She says something along the lines of like, he's the one. And then Chiron is like, hush, Annabeth. And then um, Percy fully passes out. And that's where we get our little really pretty like outro sequence going on with the credits. Yeah, those were pretty. I really liked uh-huh. that. And they were long, too, because you realize yes. how many people worked on this show when you see, like, mm-hmm. a Disney Plus credit sequence. It goes on for hours. Yeah. Oh, But yeah, that was the first episode. I'm... Woo! We did it. Only 37 minutes and still, like, so much jam-packed into there. And I really do think that this is, like, just seeing this first episode and how true it is to the book and the things that they've changed i i can understand why narratively um to be able to fit into the episode and you know to be able to kind of update certain things that maybe wouldn't fly as well now um yeah it's a funny like i mean talking about our overall thoughts i felt like there was a little bit too much pressure for me for this to be perfect Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it took a moment for me to accept the changes because i was like i wanted it to be exactly like the book and so now that the changes are there I've had time to digest it understand that it's made for tv it has to have changes it has to be updated it also has to be different like you don't want to watch we already know the entire story we want to see there to be a little difference in theory Mm -hmm. I mean after I accepted I accepted it so I think I was a little disappointed the first episode Mm -hmm. not like enough for me to dislike the episode, it was really good. But I think yeah. I w- had to get over that there was going to be changes. So by the time I mean, we had like a, what, four minute break for me to finish yeah. off some more pizza. And then we yeah. started the second episode. And I'm really excited. Next episode, we're talking about this episode number two. And I felt like it just has continued to elevate. Yes. And that makes me really excited. Because obviously yeah. you have to do a lot in a pilot episode to yeah. get people who are new watchers with no background of Percy Jackson to be interested. So you have to give them a lot of information. Whereas in the books, you don't really have to. You just have to keep people kind of interested and then slowly do some show and tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's totally like valid. Like I'm sure a lot of people, like when you see things that are changed from a beloved book, like the knee jerk reaction is to be like, wait a second. But then like when you're able to think about it or just simply like separate it from the book a little bit, um, kind of changes that, that feeling or that perspective. And I think, yeah, I, I do, I do like some of the changes they made in the sense that like, it keeps me as a viewer on my toes, even though I know these stories so well, I just have to trust, you know, that Rick is the one like Rick's right working on this. And from what we've heard from the sound clips and the interviews, like the people working on this, their heart is really in it. And they know these characters and trust them. And so it's like, we have to trust that it's in the right hands and making all the right changes. And yeah. Um, I love your note here because we did go insanely off topic in the original yes. second episode of 
who Mr. Dodds was because it was a mm-hmm. Mrs. Dodds. It was a mm-hmm. married woman. And you now we know Mr. Dodds, Nick Offerman. It's Nick Offerman, yeah. <laughs> I hope he shows it's up. Perfect. That would be so funny. Oh, I feel like he would love that, you know? Like, he'd be a great... Yeah. I don't know. He'd be great in a lot of roles. They've cast a lot of the gods. I'm like, I would, I would love to see him as a as a god. I think that would be incredible. But he would have made an interesting Mister D. I think. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really it would be interesting. a different choice, but it would have been interesting. It would have I been hope interesting. he's like Hephaestus. They already cast Hephaestus. And uh, oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he'll be in this yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we'll see. Maybe he'll be casted one day. But you know, we got a Mister and Mrs. Dodds. And speaking of, I know we've been referring to like our old episodes, like two and three. We'll shout this out a little at the end as well, but we are planning to upload those documents to our Patreon for any of our our like few patrons. And so if you're interested in joining that, you can totally do that and you'll get access to all the episodes or the episode outlines as we upload them. And you'll be able to see what Modest was talking about, about them being extremely chaotic. Especially at first, like our early outlines were really uh, our outline docs. You'll get to see the inner the inner workings of our uh, our podcast, I guess. You can also <laughs> see how much we actually ad lib. Yeah, we go off the rails quite a bit, and then also sometimes we just read off our paper like with no yeah impromptu anything. So exactly hmm. fun. Okay, well. We can now move to our, we got to do our lightning bolt questions. We can't get rid of that just because we're doing the show. Um, but we were thinking something that it would be fun to do since we are revisiting content from that we've already covered in the book form is we'll have two questions based on the show and then we'll have one like rewind question that is repurposed from our old um, episodes. So we'll answer it and then we'll play the audio clip of what we said three years ago, which is wild. Um So the rewind question that I found from our episode three outline is how would you fight the Minotaur? With a gun. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This is America. I can do do what I want. I I don't think anything else would work. I think I need to be far away and I need something that will... Like aim to kill, which is yeah. hilarious because I won't be able to aim because obviously, not obviously, but I don't know if this is obvious, but I don't have a handle on guns. So, Ooh, but you're a um, jock. And all jocks know how to fire a gun. <laughs> not all jocks. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. I think anything else would not work. I have no idea what I, what 2020 Monica said. I really hope it's, it's a gun. I hope yeah. she didn't say mm-hmm. her bare fists. Yeah. Yeah. My answer is that I would seduce I feel like that was your answer previously, too. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I did. I found the timestamp of the question, and then I, like, didn't listen to my answer because I didn't want to taint myself. But, you know, like, me and the Minotaur were, like, fr- we're friendly. We would just talk it out, you know? Okay, so I'm going to play our answer. And Oh, God. Number one, how would you fight the Minotaur? I would first die. First thing that comes to- Okay. That's the first thing that comes <laughs> I would simply die. That's the truth. 
That's a great answer. Thank you. I, I would say I would try to outsmart it. I'd probably also die. But yeah. I feel like I'd try to trick it. I'd try to talk to it. I'd be like, I'm also a minotaur. <laughs> oh, did you go to Claire's? <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> I would talk to it about its nose piercing. <laughs> See, I've been thinking of one and it just kill me right then and yeah. there. Yeah. Where'd you get it? That's yeah. really nice. Is that gold? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so you've actually gotten more confident. You thought you would die before. Now you're gonna shoot it with a gun? <laughs> Here, I have a, a weapon. In this in this scenario, I've come prepared. Um, I yeah. think... <laughs> I love how you went even more unhinged. You're like, okay, I can use psychology. And now you're like, I can use my body. <laughs> Ooh, I think like, you know, me and the Minotaur weren't you know, we were together yet when I when I recorded that, you know. Never gonna let that It's joke really die. taken a life on its own, yeah. It really <laughs> has. I actually think that the listeners will never let it die. <laughs> no. <laughs> Much like Britney, you will live on forever. When the Minotaur poster came out for Percy Jackson, so many listeners tagged me in it before I even like posted it. I was like, oh my god. This is my legacy. A brand for yourself. I have Okay, so our questions based on the the episode. What is your what song is your like sobbing in the rain moment? Like Sally has has some Olivia Rodrigo going. Ooh, okay. So I have a playlist. I was thinking of this. I have a playlist called Songs to Listen to while you're lying on the floor having a midlife mm. crisis. Yeah, that's it's good. quite extensive. But that's not my like crying in the rain song, honestly. Mm. And this is like a deep cut. For people who do not follow Bollywood music, but uh, mm. there's a song called Tum Hi Ho, and okay. it's from a movie called Ashiki 2, which is a remake of A Star is Born. But Ooh. like, this was years ago. When I was in high school, it came out, and this song is so good, and that is like a, a crying in the rain kind of song. I love that. That would be your montage of you sitting on the porch in the rain. Yes. For sure. Yeah. yeah, I also have a playlist of, well, I don't, these are like, I have a playlist called, it's that quote, that's exactly how I feel, it's about my life, uh, that Billie Eilish says, but it's mostly like sad songs that I like feel <laughs> like an intense connection to. I think that I would, if I was having a montage of myself crying on the porch, I think it would be This Is Me Trying by Taylor Swift. Oh. I think that's a good, like, feeling bad about yourself in the rain song well the funny thing is Tumiho is a like a romantic song it's like <laughs> I feel, like you are my pain you are my life I'll do anything mm. for you kind of Ooh. vibe mm-hmm. um but you I mean a spoiler for anyone who wants to watch this movie and or the star is born like mm. he dies in the star yeah. is born so yeah. and that happens in Ashiki too as well and so it's it, it holds a special place of just being... I think there's also rain in the background of the song. I might oh, be crazy. that's fun. But like it's like a very much like a sobbing in the rain kind of song. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and I like, like having it from a sad scene or a sad connotation in a movie. Yeah. Mm. All right, my question. How would you react if a friend threw you under the bus in front of other people? Not me immediately thinking you. I'm like like a literal bus. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I would be dead. Just, I would die. Yeah. I would die. Um, I would definitely be mad. I feel like I have a really, ever since I was a kid, I've had a really strong like 
reaction to like being wrongly accused of things. I guess if they threw me under the bus and I did do it, but I'm thinking like Percy's situation where he like, he didn't push her. Like he used water, but he didn't know he was doing that. Um, I really don't like being wrongly accused of things and I will like really react to it. Are like, you confrontational? <laughs> no, but I can be. When when I'm like really like threatened about is it. that a promise? I can be. I think it's more yeah. Like <laughs> I almost <laughs> confronted a lady at this small dog meetup group we go to <laughs> oh because Molly was trying to play with her dog and her dog. She was like, "He's shy," and I was like, "That's just how dogs play." I'm sorry, my son is hyper, and it was a whole. So I think if I'm like really indignant <laughs> about it, I'll I would I would I would get confrontational. Otherwise, I would just be sad about it. Yeah, I don't know that I've been in the situation where someone's like thrown me under the bus in front of others, like a friend or a trusted person. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that like you know knock on wood that hasn't really yeah. happened. I have been in situations where. I'm with a person and then they lie in front of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And usually I don't say anything. I just kind of clock that they're a liar and move on. Yeah. And I don't tell them things in the future. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if someone threw me under the bus, I tend to be really confrontational, especially if yeah. I'm like, well, then pull out. I, I, I tend to be like, where are the receipts? What, like, I need information. I need proof if you're going to do this, mm-hmm. if you're going to pull this out. I get very like, court. let's be in the courtroom. Let's duke it out so it depends on it depends on what they if they're trying to assassinate my character i get very defensive if they're mm. just being kind of mean and they're hurting my feelings instead if that makes sense i just go quiet yeah it's like okay like that's not, your opinion yeah mm. like it's if it's not like something you can about. argue yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's like i'm i'm sad that you feel that way about me and that's how you see me but there's nothing i can do to change your mind in that opinion i'm not gonna put on a show but i will put on a show i will perform if i can mm. argue with you about it yeah so percy's reaction was i felt a great one because he's like yeah so heartbroken and he's still he's trying to get grover to look at him and grover's not looking at him and it's just like oh devastating so sad (sighs) okay well that's our first episode talked about before we end this episode there was we got this really nice audio message this week that i wanted to play um I'll try to play more as they come in because sometimes people send us really nice ones and it's nice to just like end the episode on that note. So I will play this one. This is from Kristen. Hi, Cam Halford and maybe listeners. My name is Kristen and with this audio, I honestly just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for doing this podcast and like every week bringing out a new episode, each one more unhinged and crazier than the last. And thank you so much for doing this. It's like really, I th- don't think you guys understand how like how much of an impact you had because I remember reading the books all those years ago and being able to relate to the characters, especially to Percy and Annabeth because I have ADHD and, you know, sometimes you, I just get really overwhelmed and just like when there's so much going on around me also I have anxiety and obviously like when there's so much going on around me I just get overwhelmed 
and listening to your podcast has really helped it's like now I can go to school to uni and or just like go outside in crowded places or go out on my own and just listen to your podcast and I just feel so much calmer and I truly love you guys you guys are so funny so kind and I also love all the fans all the people listening you guys are amazing and I think someone has also said something similar about you just being able to help with people who have anxiety. So shout out to them and thank you so much. Love you guys. Bye. It's just so nice. I love it. <laughs> sure. I'm like actively sobbing right now. What the hell, dude? Oh, thank you, Kristen. Oh, it's really genuinely nice. No, it was such a nice reminder like this week when we're recording the last few weeks there's been so much like press stuff for disney and like all this stuff like this busyness and i feel like that message was just like such a nice reminder of i'm like you all is are the reason that this is fun and like the fact that we're able to help even one person just like oh that's that makes me so happy and modus has lost it now (laughs) (laughs) what the hell I know you sent that to me and you warned me. You're like, this is really nice. And I was out of town and I didn't have a space where I could listen to it. And so I was like, oh, I'll just listen to it. And she plays it at the episode. That was a mistake. I warned you. It was very nice. That Thank was you, Kristen. So, Kristen, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that, you know, being a listener it means a lot. And it's so much mm-hmm. fun that we get to do this for fun for you guys like it makes it yeah. so much fun yeah exactly oh it's so wonderful and yeah I encourage you all we love getting the audio messages we don't always include them but um I don't know maybe we'll try to include nice ones at the end of the episodes or something like that just to make Monica yeah. emotional every <laughs> single time <laughs> that one got me it was really good I know right it was really good <laughs> Okay, well, on that note, we, I mean, we're going to release episodes one and two together. So we'll hear you next time. Whenever you get a chance to watch the second episode, you can listen to our second episode, which will be the next, or I guess it's our 123rd episode, but it'll be our episode on the second episode. Oh my God, I can't say the word episode anymore. (laughs) I feel like I'm going insane. Just (laughs) join us next time to talk about episode two of the Percy Jackson show (laughs) there we go um you will see the link to send us an audio message if you want to make me cry it's gonna be in the episode description (laughs) we love getting them you can also follow us on social media at canthathpod or email us canthathpod at gmail.com it's really fun i've been getting emails from people who are starting this uh our podcast from the beginning so they're telling us uh you know giving us some fun facts (laughs) <laughs> from the very beginning it's so much fun i'm like oh my goodness i forgot we asked that so yeah it's really great continue to i have not in. listened to the old episodes but even just listening to like our audio or from our lightning bolt questions i'm like oh this isn't so bad it's not as bad as i was expecting <laughs> we say that okay. after only listening to it once i'm sure there's gonna be one i know next time it'll be yeah. terrible yeah Okay, well, make sure you rate and review. Oh, and the Patreon link is also in the episode description if, like I mentioned, you're interested in seeing those old outlines. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.